You are listening to Grit and Grace, where I'm sharing my entrepreneurial journey with you and bringing stories to you of the most amazing women that are crushing it in business and in life. My name is Tomberly, and I'm a social impact entrepreneur, where I help businesses grow their community impact and their bottom line through their partnerships with nonprofit organizations. I'm also the founder of Tomberly's Tribe, a brand new group of female experts that from all different fields are helping women grow to their highest level of potential. Join us on this journey by downloading the Himalaya app, which is free, and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all of the new shows that are coming out. Welcome to my show. Pull your big girl panties on, people, because today we are going to be talking about another way that women are supporting women. But this time, we're talking about electing more women to positions across this state and this country. I have three powerhouse millennial women with me today from an organization called Invest Her. Investor is a Colorado political committee formed in response to the 2016 presidential election with a dual mission of electing more women and providing a space for people in all stages of their political activism to get involved and creating a habit in them of donating to candidates who inspire them. The investor team is made up of co-founders. Is there a word for tri-founders? I think it should be (laughs) tri-founders. Of co-founders Jennifer Benson, Jordan Henry, and along with content and engagement director Samantha Byrne. And I, I know you guys have a really significant background in your careers and in your education, so I'd rather you guys do the introduction for yourself because I will probably mess up something along that path. But ladies, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you so much. This is a really an interesting topic to me, first of all, because not not just because of your age, but partly because of your age, but also the fact that you are three women that have come together to really support women in elected positions. And I know that there's there's two ways in which you do that, two missions that you have, but the goal to bring more women into elected positions is just so refreshing and so inspiring. You guys are like silent. Okay. <laughs> thank you. I, I, I will... What I'll do is just for everybody that's listening and that's watching us, and if you're watching us on YouTube, hey, hey, um, I'll call your names out because that'll help everybody understand who you are. So let's start with you, Samantha, and introduce yourself. Tell us how you got involved, a little bit about your background. Absolutely. My name's Samantha Byrne. Um, I am the content engagement and engagement director with Investor. Uh, and my background previously is in marketing communications. And um, in 2016, I left that career behind and decided to pursue my master's degree in public policy and get back to the work that I was doing in undergrad. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I moved out here to Colorado, I reconnected with an old friend, my friend Jennifer, and uh, and then also met Jordan. And they had decided, um, had had kind of started to cook up the idea of Investor and brought me on board as content and engagement and marketing um, because it's something that I could complement their background. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we see all the posts um, that happens with Investor, that's you behind yes. the scenes. Yep. I like to know who that is sometimes because mm-hmm. when we have like corporately corporately facing uh, social media, externally facing social media is what I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always a person still behind it. So yes, I like definitely. to know. So that's you. It's me. <laughs> I am the voice. But um, I think that's something we have been really trying to kind of break down that barrier this year, kind of just having a more transparent um, 
look into who Investor is, mm. who the women are behind Investor. I love it. And I think that's smart because mm-hmm. we know that really social media, even if you're using it for business or for your organizational purposes, it's still social. So mm-hmm. people still want to connect with people. So I love that. All right, let's move on. Jennifer Benson. Yes. So I um, actually moved out similarly, changed careers and moved to Colorado to attend law school. Before that, I was a high school guidance counselor mm-hmm. um, in Hannibal, Missouri, which is where I'm from. And um, moved here for law school, lived through the 2016 elections, Mm. was really not that politically active other than voting and educating myself on who was running. But that was really about it. Um, But after the 2016 elections, Jordan and I were both in school, found each other in the hallways and said, what happened and Mm. what are we going to do about it? And so we set out on a, a venture that took about a year of immersing ourselves in Colorado politics, figuring out what was going on, who the players were and where we might fit. And we discovered a gap, um, which then we founded Investor to fill. So I'm sure we'll get more into that, but that's how I ended up here. Wonderful. Thank you. And Jordan, Mm -hmm. tell us about your path. So my story is going to sound very similar to theirs. Um, I had been working in banking technology um, and was disappointed with my career. Um, And a couple of reasons, I realized there was a huge pay equity gap um, and how much women versus men were making at the company I was working at. And some, um, our company was a huge Fortune 500 company without a maternity policy or much less parental policy for paid time off when you have a child. Um, and I wanted to do something about it. So I applied to law school. Unfortunately, I got into the University of Colorado where I met Jennifer. And like she said, um, the 2016 ele- election shocked us. I, I don't think either any of us really were expecting that result. And we sort of, found each other, like Jennifer said, in the hallway and uh, pledged to do something about it. So Jordan, let me ask you this, and I hope you guys don't mind, but I want to ask what your age was at the time when you guys um, went <laughs> through the 2016 <laughs> election, only because this this is this is serious. You know, when, when I was at what your age was, I was not really um, clued into what was happening. I mean, I voted um, with an afterthought, really, to be honest. And I would say that your age is significant to me because you guys are leading the charge at what the next generation that's coming up behind me, because I'm a generation or maybe two um, ahead of you. And I want, I like it that you just shook your head. No, no way. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say a generation behind you, ahead of you. But I, I think that this is how we're going to see real change is by starting at the ages where you guys are stepping up and saying, hey, what is happening is is shocking. This is not right. What are we going to be able to do to make a difference? But I want to know your age at that time. So I was approximately. Right. <laughs> I was 29. I just did the math. Well, um, and I think the great thing about being law students, although we were all of us were grad students, although we were overwhelmed, um, we had a lot of flexibility in our schedules. Um, and there's tremendous amount of power in being a student. You can ask for a lot of meeting with meetings with a lot of important people. Just email them and ask them to coffee. I'm a law student. I want to learn more about you. And they 100% of the time said yes. Mm. And so um, in a lot of ways in the founding of Investor, our age and our um, status as grad students really played to our advantage. Mm. Yeah, I, I can believe that. And plus, people do like to help students, especially when you're on a path that is going to make significant change down the road. So I really am glad that you guys had the the wherewithal to just really push yourself out there. So let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about investor. Let's talk about the result of the 2016 election. We're not going to talk actually about the politics of it because that's not what the show is about. Um, but I know that it left you feeling like 
trembly, right? Like what's the future going to hold? And you guys had your whole future ahead of you. So this is, this was a thing. Like you guys knew that this was going to have a major impact on your own future. So when you brought the idea of investor to your own table, what were your initial goals? Cause they might be different then than they are now today. Well, so I think, and this our, is Jennifer, this yes. is Jennifer. Yeah. I think our, um, our initial reaction the next day after the results of the election came out was we, this election didn't represent us or how we felt or how we voted and how can we have more of an impact? And so we sought out to learn what the party system was like and what groups are in play um, in Colorado. What, who, who's out there? Who are the players? What are they doing already? And where can we, make an impact or at least be educated enough that we aren't thrown off completely by an election like that again. Mm. And so we did that and we met with many, many groups doing lots of important work. We got involved in um, some of the party work, but we didn't really feel like there was a place for us. There wasn't a place catering to millennials or students, young professionals, people who were really interested in getting engaged in the political process, but not, um, not sure where to start. And so we, we saw that hole and decided that that was where we needed to, you know, fit in where Mm -hmm. we could make a difference. Right. And so Samantha, I'm going to ask you at that time or when you became involved, did you initially see this as something that needed to be focused on women in elected positions? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the difference women, um, more often need to be asked to run, um, whereas men statistically are much more likely to come up with that idea on their own. And we just definitely need, I think the 2016 election showed that we need um, equal representation for women in office. And so that was the area that I was really excited to be focused on. So had you guys done a lot of research or found out a lot of information about the reasons why women didn't run or the lack of support for female candidates. Was this part of your initial stage? And I know you guys are all shaking your head. Yes. yes. So whoever <laughs> wants to answer that question, like tell me where did you get the data and what was the data at the time? Sure. So like Jennifer was um, saying, we spent about a year um, volunteering for different organizations, going to events. We didn't know, we know we wanted to do something, but we didn't know what. Um, and I had gone to a presentation by a political consultant Um, where she talked about the participation of women in politics and uh, the challenges that specifically face women candidates. Which are, give us some examples. Yeah, absolutely. So um, women will give less than their husbands to candidates and women are more likely to give to women and men are more likely to give to men. So a husband will give $1,000 to a candidate and who's a good friend of his and the wife will give 50 bucks. Um, and so we'll get or we'll give. give 50 bucks to a woman candidate she's friends with. So they mm. were giving at different levels. Um, of course, everyone knows about the likability factor that faces women candidates. That's very difficult to overcome. Um, you know, after a debate with, between Hillary Clinton and President Trump, there was this whole conversation about how she looked like a pumpkin, like looked like a pumpkin in her orange pantsuit. And, you know, there wasn't that level of critique about what the, um, you know, what Trump was wearing or what his appearance was like. And so all of these factors, you know, make it much more difficult for women to run. And it's um, it's a scary thing to do. You're um, asking people for money. um, You're asking people for votes. You're asking people for their trust. You're throwing yourself out there. um, You're making phone calls to strangers. It's just it's intimidating. And that 
confidence that comes so easily often to men doesn't come as easily um, to women. And women are perceived as ambitious, which is a negative thing, um, as opposed to a male who's just seen as confident and wants to make a difference, you know. So Mm. all of these challenges women face on both sides of the aisle um, really were what we set out to change. And we we decided to start with um, fundraising for them um, because women don't give to political candidates at the time. Um, only 27% of individual contributions to candidates were made by women. Okay. So wait, let's just, let's just to any candidate, male or female. You got it. And how, and how are they able to differentiate that if it comes from one check or one credit card processing for a family? Right. It's whomever, when you give a political contribution, you have to give quite a bit of information, your name, your address. If it's over $20, you have to give your employer. And so ultimately it has to be tied to one person. Gotcha. Okay. I think that that's a a fair question because I know that not a lot of people really understand how political contributions work. And I really can appreciate there's so much in what you said that I want to talk about. The first one is confidence. So on this podcast, we talk a lot about what holds women back from taking the next step, not just in you know, running for an elected position, but also in business or as an entrepreneur or in your career path. Like what stops a woman from taking that next step? And there are a variety of factors and a lot of it boils down to confidence and a lot of that boils down to hundreds of years of what, you know, we have positioned a woman to be, what what their value is based upon, you know, such as being a mom or being a good wife or keeping a good house. I mean, in in not that long ago, that was that was that was what you based your success upon. And I don't know if you guys know this, but in my lifetime, in my lifetime, a woman was not allowed to apply for a mortgage on her own. Like that changed while I've been alive. So all of those things that you just said are not something that is specific to that industry. But if there's change to come down the road, we know that we need more female leadership in elected positions. So I understand why that's this is this is like a sector or an area of why this really, really matters. And there's another piece I wanted to add on to that, because clearly I just could talk on this for a long time, is that if we want to set opportunities up for women in 5, 10, 15, 20 years to be more involved in leadership roles, they need an example to look up to. And what a better way than your elected officials. I mean, that is that is setting the bar for other women to look to in their business, in their families, in their life. Exactly. I think as an investor has involved, we've started seeing this pipeline, not only from our candidates who are now running for city council and Colorado House, who we hope to someday will run for Colorado governor and United States Senate, but also the people who join us, our network of friends and supporters who come to these events and support these women now, we're hoping that someday they'll run for office or they'll take that promotion. And we have built a community that will support them and they know that. And so they'll be more brave in the future going after those um, positions of power. So let's break this down to the two main areas that you guys decided to focus on. Number one was is to educate, right? Is to teach, especially, and I won't say just millennials, but really to teach individuals and women on what is, what's the landscape? Like what's happening? Who are the candidates? What do you need to know? And there's one thing that you guys did a really good job of is during the runoff election in Denver, you provided the information that people didn't know. And I will honestly tell you that I, I didn't understand the mechanics of what was happening in that process. So you guys break it down so people can understand what's happening so they can make an informed decision. 
That was all Sam. Yes, you can thank <laughs> Sam for Sam that. Sam did a great job. So, but, but this, but this is a big, this is a big part of mm-hmm. what you do, right? Is to just provide education to understand, so you're making an informed decision. Absolutely. Um, I think we, in you know, the other side, obviously, one side of our mission is to get more women elected to state and local office in Colorado. But the other side is getting young professionals involved in the political process and in the habit of donating. And we're really going after young professionals that aren't necessarily in um, political fields or legal fields like we are. Um, I want, you know, the marketing executive that is interested in politics, but is like kind of intimidated and kind of not sure where to get involved or what everything means to feel comfortable and in getting involved and, you know, educating themselves on what the process is and how they can best um, be a cog in in the political process. Well, because the truth is, is that people just don't really understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say that in my many years of having the opportunity to vote and being a part of circles of people that do discuss politics as women, we discuss politics often in my circles. And most of the time it's the questions that we don't know. We're asking mm-hmm. each other answers for questions we don't have. Yeah. So I think that that's an important piece and that's why I bring it up. And then secondly, you know, Jennifer, let's talk to you about this. What, why the focus on fundraising? Well, whether we like it or not, it takes money to win a campaign these days. And that's a topic for another day is money in politics, but it's there and it exists. And it's um, women. We've we have statistics that show that women have a difficult, more difficult time fundraising than male candidates. So if we want equal representation in our elected offices, we have to have equal fundraising abilities for candidates of both genders. And so that's where we decided to focus is helping women fundraise. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, that stat that Jordan shared that women are not donating at the same rates as men um, means there's there's some work to do there. We can help encourage women, especially young women like us who are going to be around for a long time participating in these elections, get it in the habit of making donations to candidates that inspire them. And that's another piece of it is we we want equal representation, but we also want um, to inspire. And so we find candidates, which is, we have a huge pool of very inspiring women candidates in Colorado, but we find candidates who have a really compelling story or we know will really connect with someone who is new to the political realm. Maybe they're a new candidate themselves. Um, and so we want to help her and we also want her to inspire our young people to get involved. Mm. Yeah. I think that like another topic that most people don't understand is how much money it costs to actually campaign. And it's not even that. It's once you're in an elected position, if it's a full-time elected position, such as Denver City Council, they're not paid very much. And I think that that's, that's sometimes a hard pill for people to swallow. Um, do any of the fundraising dollars that come in during a campaign, can they carry over during uh, during their actual serving years? I guess we don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I think their campaign dollars can flow into their next campaign or more likely what they end up doing is paying down campaign debt. Okay. Um, and so, you know, they can continue raising money for a certain period of time, but it's campaign finance, finance law is very complicated and it's a niche practice that um, 
one of us should probably. <laughs> I was going to say, don't we have two lawyers sitting at the table? We, um, for those of you listening and realize what I said was wrong, um, rest assured, we have uh, compliance counsel on our board That's, that yeah, keep yeah. us in line. Yeah, so. well, and, I, and that was the other thing is that, you know, I wanted to just clarify that a lot of what we're talking about, you know, we might talk about topics that aren't, you know, for sure what you guys might know, which is why you support the professionals that do. And that's part of why women need to fundraise because they need professionals in their team to do the work of campaigning. Absolutely. Yeah. And we do that. We have as investor also have an advisory board full of women um, who have inspired us along the way, but they also have this really fabulous skill set that we can tap into for when we have a campaign finance question. Um, We have, fabulous attorneys on our board who, while we are attorneys, we don't specialize in that really specialized field. And so we have people who can help us with that. So if you guys remember the first time we met, we had a a wonderful visit. The first time was, was like, that was, that was actually amazing. It was really great to get to know you guys at the time. And do you remember what my biggest question was? My most important question was how do you decide which side of the aisle to support? And that was that was what sealed the deal. And you guys having my support is that you support women on both sides. It doesn't matter your political party or affiliation, but there is one strand that you guys stand by. Tell us about it. I'll look to you, Jordan, for that. Okay. Um, so yeah, when we were setting um, out to create investor, we wanted to attract these non-politicos. And Sam does such a great job educating them, but it's intimidating, and they see the news. Um, or hear the news and it's all adversarial and divisive and angry fighting. And that's not fun when you're done with your work day. You don't want to go to a political event and have angry fighting mm-hmm. um, as, you know, your pastime. So we wanted to create something that was positive, 100% women supporting women, positive. Um, we wanted to break down the notion that politics has to be adversarial. And so we decided not to affiliate with a party. Um With that, though, we wanted to make sure there was some sort of litmus test to make sure that we were supporting candidates um, whose ideals we we aligned with as feminists, as women, um, as millennials. And so we decided um, our litmus test would be uh, all of our candidates have to be pro-choice. Yeah. And I I like that you guys have chosen a value. You've stood you've you've chosen a value that matters to you as women, as individuals. And I love it that you guys stand behind being feminists. I mean, this, this, this is a time where women have more opportunity than ever before, but I do believe that we have to do the work to, to take advantage of the opportunity. And oftentimes, um, standing by values and not being compromisable, I want to say, is that a word? Compromisable? I'm gonna put, to I can me. put an a ball <laughs> at the end of any word. <laughs> compromisable. I think that that you know, that value is important, whether or not I agree or disagree or anybody agrees or disagrees. You guys are, you are, you are putting your sword in the sand and saying, this matters to us. We want women to have the right to choose. We feel very strongly about that, but we also considered some other litmus tests, pay equity, you know, some things like that. But what was really nice about um, a woman's right to choose is it's yes or no. It's black or white. You're in or you're out for the most part. And so that allowed us to make that really easy decision versus what does being for pay equity mean? Does that mean pay transparency? Does that mean a requirement? Mm. You know, And so it was also just a very clear indicator um, that we could sort of enforce easily. Mm. And so, Samantha, do you guys keep this on your social media um, publicly? Do you discuss this? And have you received any backlash about that? We do, um, especially with the um, a few of the 
states earlier this year passing some very strict um, pro-life, pro-choice type legislation. We do talk about it on our social media. Um, For the most part, we really have not received any backlash. We have a pretty friendly following, um, and I I, I can't think of any issues that have come up for us. No, and I think because we do keep, like Jordan said, we really are trying to be a positive political space. And so uh, even with Sam and our communications, it's not – even though the issue can be very divisive, our content that we're sharing is really um, positive and really uh, informative, educational, positive, not divisive. Right. And I think that there is a distinct difference when people post information on social media that is to bring out a response from people. You know, you can, you can post things that are meant to stir the pot Mm -hmm. or you can post things just informational factually without emotion tied to Mm -hmm. it. So, and I I haven't seen any of those posts, um, but I, I wish we could really dive into that topic yeah. right now. We're not going to because <laughs> those laws that were passed to me are um, so harmful to women in so many ways. And then, of course, it's the subsequent actions that have also happened after that are harmful where people think, oh, I'm just going to put my house up for availability for anybody in those states to come. And you know, I won't ask any questions and they can come and fly here and stay here and and you know have an abortion if they want to have an abortion and but the fact is, is that the individuals that this primarily impacts are not at an income level that would be able to make any of those choices. Mm-hmm. So I, f- I feel like it just, again, created such misinformation out there that um, we didn't have the facts or the majority of people didn't have the facts. And although intentions are right, people, you need to do your research. Mm-hmm. You need to understand. And so that would be a question I would have for you. If anybody listening to this show right now wanted to know more information about What's coming up in the next election? How can they get involved? What women are running for which offices? And a little bit more about them. You know, tell me about the events that you have coming. Um, well, we have an amazing event with Amy Klobuchar coming up, but I think um, it's on August 14th from 5 to 6.30 at the Riveter in Rhino. We're very excited to be able to host a presidential candidate. That's a big deal for us and outside of our normal realm focused on focusing on state and local politics. Um And then we have a kickoff, a 2020 kickoff, just a celebration of investor and all that we have accomplished and all that we're going to accomplish on um, August 25th. Um, Details are available on our social media and website. So please check us out and join us for those events. I think another just so you know, we'll put the we'll put the show notes. uh, We'll put that in the show notes. Um, And I'm not sure exactly when this episode will be published. So if you're listening to this after August of 2019, you know, we'll still include your website so people can find out how to get involved at that time. Um, Another sort of aspect of who we are is that we support state and local candidates. I know we've talked about that, Um, but we decided to do that because $20 means a lot to a Colorado Senate candidate or $20 means a heck of a lot to a Colorado House of Reps candidate. $20 $20 means less to Elizabeth Warren. Um, and so we wanted to make sure we were providing people with impactful giving and also teaching them about people they d- they haven't heard of. And so um, in Lakewood, we've supported Carrie Tipper, and she's incredible, or Brianna Titone, some of these local candidates um, that get uh, less of the front page um, but probably mm-hmm. should get more of it. So when you talk about support, so you hold events where people can go, they and the events are free, where people can come and their contribution, you know, their donation on the spot can go to a candidate of their choice. You provide information, you provide the opportunity to donate. Now, 
I want to ask you, like, as a as a political committee, do you guys have the capacity to do more to support a candidate? Like, can you help them with their media outreach? Is I mean, what what's the scope of what you can do? Well, what we Colorado has some very strict campaign finance rules, and so we have very strict um, limits on what we can financially give to a candidate as as a pack, as a Colorado political committee. But we can provide things like social media support. So what we do is candidates have sort of a buffet of options that we can provide Mm -hmm. is one, we can host an event and that provides not just financial, you know, donations at at the door, but also access to voters and access to people with their own social media accounts who can say, I met Brianna Titone and she was amazing and you must go support her. Um, So we have that. And then we also have Sam's amazing communication skills where she um, promos candidates, uh, whether it's leading up to an event we're hosting for them or if it's someone we're not hosting an event for, she can promo as it's leading up to an important point in their campaign, a fundraising deadline or a primary um, election or whatever that might be. So social media support is a huge part of what we provide as we cater to millennials who are using social media. Well, yeah. And I mean, I use social media all the time, not just for this podcast, but as a social impact entrepreneur, my work relies upon my reach. And so it's definitely really important. But I do know that there are a lot of um, women that are currently running for elected positions that don't have strong social media skills. So their social media presence is a little weak. And I'm sure that it boils down to back to finance, you know, the ability to hire someone to step in and run your PR and, and, and media work for you, because that's, that's expensive stuff. I think another thing, people who come to our events, obviously we're trying to encourage donations at whatever level is feasible for them at that time, $5 or $50 or $500, you know. Um, but we also always advertise the opportunity to volunteer for the campaign if a donation is not Mm. an option for our guests at that time. And so they can also volunteer to do some of that social media work or make phone calls or go door to door, um, just really supporting the candidate in whatever way she can use. Are there other committees like yours in different states that are supporting local candidates in their states? Not yet. (laughs) (laughs) I see see the gleam of interest in all of your eyes. This is really quite incredible. This is and this is unique. And I, I feel like there are a lot of people that are going to have questions about how they can get involved. Do you guys do any sort of one off like education points or live videos? Because if you don't, I'm going to start talking to you about live videos because people want to know what's going on. We are um, working to develop some other types of content, such as video, um, and we've talked about maybe even doing some podcasts here and there. Um, but so we are looking to delve into that. The, the thing to remember is that this is all of our side job. This is your side volunteer yeah. gigs, and these are volu- <laughs> this and this is these are volunteer roles for you guys. Yes. So I want to be clear that those of you out there that are listening, this is because they care. This is mm-hmm. not something that is. Um, you know, necessarily benefiting their ultimate goals in their career, which it probably will, but that's not the goal. The goal is to bring more people to the table, educate young professionals, and fundraise to get more women in elected positions. Mm-hmm. Quite simply, and because you guys care about this in your heart, um, it shines through in what you're doing. Yeah, we. I think we all feel really lucky to be working on Investor and to share um, with the success that we've had. 
so far. So what it's is just the reaction? And so what is the reaction of the female candidates that you are supporting? Like, are they surprised that you exist? Do they underestimate you because you are new? And oh, did I hit? I, I feel like I feel like that might happen because it seems like this is rare. And so people might be like, well, I don't know who that is. Who are they? Like, what are they doing? Like, what? How can they help me? Our very first candidate was one of my favorite all-time candidates, um, and she was running for statewide office, and we were terrified. We were absolutely terrified. No one was going to show up. It was going to be a colossal failure. We were going to have wasted an hour and a half of this woman's time. Um, But really, by that point, we'd built a significant network of mentors and friends. We um, invited everyone to attend, and within five minutes, as people started flowing into the room, and our confidence grew. We were like, this is going to be, this is something. We're on to something and it's going to be okay. It's going to be more than okay. It's going to be great. Um, it took, th- for me at least, three or four events like that before I started getting confident that I wasn't wasting these campaigns times. Um, you mean the, can- the candidates the that candidate. are running? Yeah. yeah. Um, because you don't want a candidate to show up when she could have been making call times or going door to door to an event where no one shows up, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it took a couple times of, people flowing through the door and this being something people are looking for. People are looking for a way to get involved in politics and it be impactful. 67% of the candidates we've supported have gone on to win. Um, Just listen to that. (laughs) Just listen to that. 67% of the women that you have supported in your work have gone on to win their position. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. a lot of those were first-time candidates. And so that's even more difficult to uh, take some first-time candidates across the finish line. They did most of the work. We hosted an event for them. I mean, I don't mean to take away from uh, all the work they put in. No, but you are a part of the process. We we, um, hopefully helped. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. it was clear there was a hunger for what we were doing because mm. people flowed into this event. People we had we didn't know. People we assume found us on our social media, and there it was clear that there was a hunger for it. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, but I can see how you know as you guys grow and establish a name for yourself, you guys are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Um, and if if you have not been seen that way yet. That's okay. You know, like it's learning steps as you grow and you guys are going to continue to get to that point. And I, I continue to just be awe inspired by what you're doing. Okay. So tell me what's next. Let's talk about we are in 2019 and I want this to be relevant. So what elections are coming up and what women are you supporting? Let's hear all the details. Mm. We'll go one. Samantha, let's start with you. Give us a few. Sure. Um, we actually have not. We've, we're working on setting our schedule right now. So okay. we don't have any information okay. to release on that. I'm so sorry. That's okay. No, I guess I should have asked that question no, before. Okay. No. So, but we know that there are, I mean, cause I just asked you a question about mm-hmm. a very particular woman who is considering running yeah. for a Senate seat, um, who has been on this show before. And if she does run, uh, I will happily, you know, offer this podcast and our listener base to, you know, share more of her platform too, because she's amazing. Well, and I'll tell you what we know is that we have really important Colorado State House and Senate races in 2020. And all of our candidates we supported in the 2018 race for the Colorado House are up for reelection. So we will be revisiting those candidates who we supported who successfully won their positions um, and seeing how we can support them in their reelection. And then we are just sitting um, with lots of advisors picking lots mm. of brains of people who know the landscape. It's a little early yet to declare who who we're supporting, but we are feeling out the landscape, setting up our schedule 
from now to the 2020 elections. And we will have lots of events at least once a month for the next 12 15 months. months. So, okay, let's talk about this for those that don't know. The House of Representatives in the state of Colorado, how many positions are there in total? Some (laughs) some odd number of something (laughs) or other. Um, Okay, so let's talk about Senate positions. Do we know? Do we have any of this information? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in the show notes so people know. Um, And. I, I mean, I, th- I, I want to, re- I want to estimate myself, but I'm sure <laughs> that all of us are like, maybe I should open up Google really quick Google. and find out. <laughs> Hello, Google, be my friend. This is one of the things I, th- that I think has been a part of the magic of investor is that honestly, none of us were that involved when people tell me what house district they're running in and they are like, Oh, I'm running an HG 28. I sort of blankly look at them and say, what does that mean? Um, and I think that's the response of a lot of people we're trying to attract to investors that they don't speak the lingo and there's a ton of lingo. And so we constantly try and check ourselves to make sure that we aren't engaging in that, um, sort of political speak that, Mm -hmm. you know, normal, um, hardworking young professionals don't have time to learn. Um, But what that does mean is sometimes when we're asked how many people are there, we look (laughs) blankly back because we really are political outsiders. And I would still consider myself that, although much less than I was when we started. But um, it's hard. And let's just be real. This is it's hard. Well, the information is not as easy to understand. And so it looks like we have two senators in the in Colorado. That's federal. That's mm-hmm. federal. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then um, and then seven representatives in the House of Representatives at the federal level. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so the state's different. See, and this is mm-hmm. where this is where people start to get confused. Is that there is a difference between state positions and federal positions? Correct. Absolutely. This is it's all it's very complicated. Even yeah. after three years of law school, a master's in public policy, you know, there are details about obviously details about the political process we are not familiar with. Like Jordan said, that's. It's people just like us who are trying to attract. We want to be involved, but we're not experts. Um, and so that's what we are is a really, I hope, a really accessible way to get involved is you don't have to know anything. You don't have to know any candidate's name. You don't have to know anything about how the party system works or or anything. You just show up. You don't have to come with a friend. You can come alone, show up to an event of ours. We'll hand you a drink. We'll introduce you to some friends. I'm still looking up the information. <laughs> So the Colorado House of Representatives is comprised of 65 representatives. So this is why it's confusing. Mm-hmm. And uh, those must be in geographical dis, uh, locations throughout Colorado. So do people in those locations actually vote just for that? Okay. Cause, exactly. yeah. Because I wondered if, if... By district. Yeah, by district. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that's why it gets confusing. And a lot of people don't understand, too, that that is outside of city councils, mm-hmm. mayor, mayor elections. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of elections. And that, that just means that people, if you're not voting, you don't realize how complicated this is. And I actually think that that's part of the reason why some people don't vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because oh, they, don't, sure. they don't know where to go and what they're voting for. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, at least uh, from the social media communication standpoint, why um, education is such an important component for me. So when we are hosting a House of Representatives candidate for the state, will obviously be providing what district that they are running in. But I'm also very good about letting people know not just the district number, but kind of exactly where the location is. So even if you don't know that you live in HG24, I can still show you that you belong. That's that's who you should be paying attention to. And so do you guys host events in those districts, not just in Denver? We host the bulk of our events in Denver Mm -hmm. and in Boulder. 
So far. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, so far. far, right? Yeah. I mean, it's possible. And and maybe that's where, you know, as more people start to hear the show or learn about what you're doing, that can bring in more volunteers mm-hmm. and volunteers that are working for that campaign can be hosting those events in their districts. We do get interest um, from rural areas in Colorado, but unfortunately we just don't have the the manpower, woman power for that right now. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I think, but especially with legislative positions, legislatures around the state write laws that imp- impact me as a Boulder resident or as a Denver resident. And so um, we often will host people or candidates from outside of the Denver metro area, um, but we'll host them in Denver. Um, partially because that's where our network is. And so we can be sure to attract those, those supporters into the room, but we try and view Colorado as a whole state and not just a, you know, Denver bubble. Um, although that's where all of our events have been so far. Yeah. And so tell me what the future looks like for you guys. Let's, let's talk about this. You know, where do you, where do you hope to see this, this committee, this, you know, this, force of, of nature that you guys have brought together, where do you see it going in five years, 10 years? So we're pretty scrappy. Um, <laughs> which is part of what I relate to about you. So, um, it, you know, it's been the three of us pretty much by ourselves, um, all volunteer outside of law school and grad school and law firm jobs and public policy jobs. Um, and so as we've grown, that's been really a great benefit to us because we've been able to adapt to what's working and what's not and make fast decisions. Um, but as we get more established, we're starting to um, put in place some structure. And so now we have an advisory board of seven um, powerhouse women in, in the Denver area who have agreed to help us and provide us with some advice and guidance to get us to that next level and help us develop what that next level is. And so mm-hmm. I know Jennifer and I have talked, all three of us have talked about, um, having investors nationwide mm. um, and having an investor Atlanta chapter and support the Stacey Abrams of the world, you know, from Atlanta or, mm-hmm. you know, d- an investor Texas. And I think that would be a really great goal um, for us. There's so many other ideas we've had around training and education and um, working with high school students um, to sort of bridge that gap we were talking about earlier of having that confidence to run for office and start talking with high school students now about, the fact they should do that. We are, we will be the first person asking you to run for office someday. Um, we have so many ideas constantly. We have a list, a running list. Um, but it's just a matter of sitting down and developing them and choosing which ones are actually viable and, um, moving on from there. Mm-hmm. 2020 staring us down is it's going to be a huge, it's going to be a big year. year. 2020 is going to be a really big year, um, politically. And, I actually can feel it in even in the business climate in the circles that I work in because people are they're aligning, you know, people are pulling in resources, they're aligning, there are conversations that are happening. How is this going to affect this business? How is this going to affect this? And it's unfortunately on a personal level, it's going to create more divide in uh, in our society right now. We all know that this is going to happen. Um, the divide is is widening. And what I like that you're doing is also you're you're closing that divide by just saying, find what what you relate to and support them with your dollars. And, you know, come together and, and just support the fact that we live in a country that gives us the ability to choose who represents us. And if you don't like who's representing us, then if you haven't voted, then you, you don't you don't get a chance to complain because that's not right. I like that you guys are all yeah. smiling. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's talk about where everybody can reach you. Tell us your social media handles. Sure. 
So we mainly are on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at um, Investor Network um, Co. And that's I N V E S T H E R. So it's Invest Her. <laughs> yes. Dot Co. Um, actually, I misspoke. Instagram is at Invest Her. Yep. Period. Facebook is at Invest Her. CO. And it doesn't matter if actually, yeah. if you go into Facebook, Instagram or the web and you, you type in invest her as one yes. word, you're going to find the various profiles. We'll, we'll yes, add yes. that in the mm-hmm. show notes as well. And then we also have a website, uh, investornetwork.com or invest. Org. <laughs> <laughs> Just, it's, it's really hot in Colorado today, guys. We're all sweltering here. Um, it's investhernetwork.org. Dot org. Yes. Got it. I will make sure that the correct yes. link is in the show notes. <laughs> and hey, if we can't laugh at ourselves, what else can what can uh-huh. we, we laugh at, you know? Um, and so, ladies, my last question, if you've listened to any of my shows, you know that I have a question for each of you. I hope that you're all expecting it. Okay, so I'm starting with you, Jennifer. What is your percentage of grit and grace? Oh, why didn't I prepare for this? Um, I'd really like to be 50-50. I'm going to say I'm a little bit at the moment more like 70 grit and 30 grace, but yeah. really trying to channel my grace. It's, we have those days, Samantha. I'm, I don't want to copy Jen. Well, so. you just came back from Glacier National Park. Yeah. So your percentage, I'm feeling pretty gritty right now. Yeah. I was going to say graceful. You're supposed to come back oh. from vacation like all fluid and relaxed. No, no, and, no. This was not like that vacation. Oh, it was okay. like intense backcountry okay. hiking. Okay. Um, but I guess today I'm feeling, I'll say 60% grit. Okay. 40% okay. grace. Jordan? So when we... Um, on our first day of law school, Jennifer and I were sitting down from across from each other and we had to go around the room and introduce ourselves and tell um, the room a fact about um, who we are, where we came from, where we mm. went to college, things like that. And Jennifer went two people before me and her fun fact was that she was a dancer before, um, mm. during undergrad. She was a really talented tap dancer. Oh, amazing. Um, <laughs> we could finish the video, you know, yeah. with a quick little, little tune. Um, and then two, two students later, it was my turn. And I was like, well, I was going to tell the room that I was a ballet dancer for a really long time. And so we initially connected over, you know, being slightly older for law students and, um, both having these dance backgrounds. And then when Sam moved to Colorado, turns out she has a dance background also. So we could all have a little dance thing <laughs> yeah, going on. So yeah. you would think that with all these dancers in the room, the grace percentage would be much higher than it is. And maybe that's a good example of how dancers are truly more grit than grace. And um, but That's really funny. That's so funny. So I'm going to flip it. I think I'm probably 55 grace and 45 grit. You know, that's a big high five for you. (laughs) I think that as much as we all need to work hard and be gritty, um, we're still women. And I think that that's one thing that we have more of than men is grace. And it's not a bad thing to have it. And contrary to how many years we've been taught that um, that part of us isn't the beneficial part that'll make us successful. I actually think it's part of what makes us the most successful. I agree. To me, grace is this huge capacity for forgiveness. And um, I think I've been working on the past year, forgiving myself for my mistakes and having that grace to just embrace who I am confidently. Um, And so it is only 55, 45 because it's been something I've been very focused on Mm. working on. Super proud to hear that. (laughs) Wonderful. Ladies, you're amazing. 
Thank you. Thank, Thank you for you. what you're so doing. You. Thank, Thank you, you for for supporting women in elected positions. I really am excited to see where you guys are going to go. I am here on this journey with you, so we will do this again and, and keep our listeners we posted. Can't wait to. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. amazing. And for those of you listening, thank you for joining us for another episode of Grit and Grace. As you know, we are at Be Creative Studio and Learning Lab in Lakewood. We are very excited that they house us. This show is, you know, definitely a team effort, and we all work really hard to bring you the best content possible. So thank you for listening. Until next time. I hope you enjoyed the show. Thank you very much for listening. And don't forget to download the Himalaya app and follow us so we can keep you up to date on all the exciting things that are happening because we're going to be bringing you new stuff on the Himalaya app, which is only going to be available there at different times as it comes out. So thank you again for listening. And I want to tell you one special thing about Himalaya. As a social impact entrepreneur, one thing I appreciate about them the most is that they are not only focused on you as the listener and what matters to you, but they allow you to support your favorite podcasters and we totally feel your love. So thank you very much. Studio provided by Be Creative Media and Learning Lab in Lakewood. This amazing video is provided by Janine at Tailwind Media. Podcast notes and editorial provided by the podcast Maven and my friend Les helps with all the post-production. And if you're looking for information on any of this amazing tribe of people that help bring you the show, let me know and I'll be happy to get you their information. And you can find me, I'm Taver Lee, and all that I do with Taver Lee's tribe or at Corporate Cause Agency at Taver Lee. That's T-A-H-V-E-R-L-E-E dot com.